for 18 years, I've been doing this every January and February. And then we just move on. For 18 years, I've been doing this every January and February, and then we just move on. But see, the current state of the world and what is happening around us cannot afford for the church to just move on. This is our time. This, it is right now the church's time. It is time for us to stand up and show the world who God is and who God's people are. And, and something as simple as furniture, something as simple as uh, just a small sponsor to put someone in a witness position for athletes in action, to send a young lady to Tanzania, uh, I mean, th- th- to, to send young people, do these things. Church, let me tell you something. This church cannot afford for us to just move on. Let me say this to you. The vision of our church isn't just a sermon series. Y'all didn't help me. There's some dessert to buy here in a little bit. Y'all help me. This is going to go faster. The vision of our church is not just a sermon series. And you sit in this building today during worship that set chairs up in the, sanct- in the foyer. You sit in this building today, you see young people who are inspired to live for Christ. You sit in this building today and, and you see lives that are changed and transformed and you're one of them. The vision of our church is more than just a sermon series. We are here today because prophetic words were spoken. There was a time when we wondered what God was doing. We didn't have this. We had this land, but there was no building. There was nothing here but trees standing right where you and I sit today. And and a prophet came from England, and the elders spent a a little bit of time with him and drove him. His name is Bryn Franklin. Drove him to this piece of property and said, we own it, but we don't know what to do with it. What do we do? Do we sell it and just maintain what do we do? That prophet walked this property, spent some time, and then came back to us at the edge of the property. And he said, God said, this piece of property is a watering hole, and I will send people from the nations here to quench their thirst. He said to us, don't sell one grain of sand. Don't sell one grain of sand. You and I are here today because prophetic words were spoken. The college, Wednesday night, the professor was teaching. And Tanya Wells, she immediately showed me something that, I, that, that God spoke to us on January 3rd last year. She had written them in her Bible. And this is what it says. A God-sized vision will change the heart of man. This is what it says. A God-sized vision will show you your limits, humble you with the movement towards Jesus Christ, and it will always show you He has a remedy and He has the resources. This is what was said. A God-sized vision will direct your path and give you a new purpose. Those are the words that God spoke to us prophetically a year ago. 
Now, I, I need you to hear me this morning as I bring this to a close because I, I want you to understand that the vision of this church is not just a sermon series. I love preaching it and I spend months preparing it. But today I want to talk about seeding the cloud. I want to talk about an intentional act. Seeding a cloud. In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink. For there is a sound of a rushing rain. Now, Elijah's the only man who heard this sound. No one else heard it. So Ahab went up and eat, to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of, the mountain, of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go up again seven times. How many times? Seven. How many times? Seven. seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare. I don't know about you, man, but... Sometimes just one word just kind of hits me right in the face. Prepare. Now this sentence says, prepare your chariot to go down lest the rain stay. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black. And the clouds. And wind. And there was a great rain. And Ahab arose and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word and the hearing of our ears. Bless it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. The vision of our church is more than just a sermon series. And the one thing COVID has tried to rob from us is community. I'm not going to debate the politics. I'm not going to debate the medical issues. I'm not doing that. But if COVID has done one thing to everyone, whether you're a believer, a non-believer, whether you're one political party, it has or the other, it has robbed us of community. And God gave us a vision to take our life groups and not really transform them, but really Make a statement that we believe that life groups are more than just time together. But life groups should do something that brings us together on purpose. And so the idea of top came to Brian and Malin and together on purpose. And, and let's take the life groups and be intentional about it. Not necessarily demand what they do or how they do it, but be intentional about creating community outside of Sunday morning. And so out here in the foyer today, all of there's 12 groups that are ready to go. And each group has a different little twist, a different little flair. And those type of things. And the leaders are here this morning to explain to you like what's on their heart, what they do when they get together, how often they get together, and how they care for one another and give each other community. 
I want to encourage you today, before this service is over, to talk to some of those leaders and think about what it means to fulfill this need in your life for community and community with people of faith. They're here for you today. The Tops Life Group Fair is here today just for you to see and understand. And people say, I don't, I don't want to sign up for that. Well, I, I, we just want to give you an opportunity, right, to not be alone. I want to give you an opportunity to receive more than just the hi and goodbye on Sunday morning. So I want you to press into that. Because see... Uh, she has spoken. Uh, that's our, our, our favorite character from the Mandalorian, of course. I have spoken, right? Like, yeah, if you, if you, I mean, everyone needs community. You're not going to find it. Healthy community in the world. You're not going to do it. So watch this. Why are we here today? Why are, is this church doing what it's doing? The prophetic words that have been spoken over us go um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. And they still come. Every week our prophetic team is posting. They're sharing with each other. This is what I feel like God is sharing. They're sharing that with the eldership team, these type of things. Listen to me, church. It's time for us to seed the cloud. It's time for us to do things intentionally. On November 13, 1946, a single propeller airplane took off from uh, Scranton County Airport rather in, with, a, with a unique kind of payload. It only had six pounds, six pounds of dry ice on it. Now, if you know anything about dry ice, it's gotten me in a lot of trouble in my life. <laughs> Poor Nancy. Well, that's another subject, but uh, <laughs> all of Centerville went boom one day. And uh, anyway, Nancy about went to be with Jesus. The pilot of this plane, his name was uh, Vincent Schaefer, and he'd been conducting some experiments for General Electric in their laboratory. And what he was doing is he was using a freezer that was chilled down to sub-zero temperatures, and he was starting to create clouds. And in these clouds, he said, I can make it snow inside of this freezer. And they said, you cannot do it. He had this thing chilled down. He had dry house in there. And with his hot breath, he began to breathe. And snow began to form in this freezer. A few months later, it's time for the field test. In 1946, he got in that plane. And he flew this airplane into cumulus clouds. And he dumped dry ice. Eyewitnesses on the ground said it, it was almost like the cloud exploded and the subsequent snowfall was visible for 40 miles away because of an intentional act. See, the science of seeding clouds is, 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 is it's a modern marvel of science, but the idea is old. In our series, we've been in Win the Day. In this series, we've been renewing our vision as a church. And we've talked about a lot of areas. Flip the script. We've talked about kiss the wave. Flip the script. This is your chance to change your story. 
Kissing the wave means God's planted in it. And sometimes the thing you think is the thing that's come to destroy you, God is planning on using it to elevate you. Y'all need to listen to eating the frog. No one wants to change. But the sooner you do it, the sooner you get it over with. Fly the kites. Come on, somebody. I mean, we've got to invest in the kingdom. If we're going to connect some things, we have to be financially invested in the kingdom. Cutting the rope from the world means that I need intentional community. Top's group is here. Wind the clock. The young people, the elders of this church want to give you something. I mean, we intentionally sit around the table and ask our question. You know, in 15 years, how old am I going to be? How old is Mike going to be? <laughs> His wife said, old. <laughs> Methuselah. Oh. And we're saying 15 years from now is not that far away. But longevity in ministry. And so we challenged Bruno to speak to our youth group. And I tell you what, I've been a part of a lot of altar calls in my life. But last week when Bruno gave the altar call, it was like you blew the whistle at a race and them kids ran to this altar. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. This week, I want to talk to you about seed in the cloud. It's time. Everybody say, it's time. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. Let me set the scene. Despite all the desperate measures and everything that was taking place, that's when and where and why the prophet Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel to seed the cloud of sorts. Well, church... Now, how do we do it? How do we do it? We're not renting a plane. I mean, what are we doing? How do we do this? Let me, let me make this one, two, three simple here. One, you need to seed the cloud with the prophetic. Two, you need to seed the cloud with patience. And three, you need to seed the cloud with prayer. Now, watch this. More than half a century ago, Dr. Alfred uh, Tomitis, he, he, conf- he was confronted with a curious case. In, in, in the 50th uh, year career that he had, uh, he was a renowned uh, um, uh, doctor that dealt with the brain. And uh, what happened is he heard about this case that an opera singer had lost his ability to, to hit certain notes, even though those notes were well within his vocal range. And he'd been, this, this, this opera singer had been to very other specialists, all of whom uh, thought, oh, it's just a vocal problem. He can't hit it anymore. His, vo- his, his vocal cords are damaged. But Tomitis, he thought otherwise. And so he used a sonometer. And he discovered that the opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance away from his voice. Now, to put that in perspective, that is louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. So here's what happened. Long story short, this opera singer had made himself deaf because of his own voice. His own voice created so many decibels that it damaged his hearing, not his vocal cords. And therefore, he could not hit those notes anymore because he couldn't hear them. Now, here's my theory. All of us have problems. Relational problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. We we, we think those problems are the problems. 
But most of our problems are just presenting problems. They're problems because of something else. Hello, somebody. And the root cause of the problem, come on, somebody, in our spiritual life is a hearing problem. Ears have been deafened to the still, small voice of the Spirit of God. All the white noise in the world that we live in, right? We're bombarded with news 24-7. And let me tell you something. I don't care which channel you're on or which side the news is supporting. They have an agenda. And they have a product to sell. Y'all better believe me. They're selling you a product and they don't care what the end result of it is. And they'll sell their product to whoever will buy it. Online advertisers with clickbait. I, I was at my house Friday, the only day I had a few minutes off this week. And someone called my phone 20 times in a row. As soon as the answer machine would pick up, they would click and call it right back. Now, it listed somebody's name in three rivers, but I didn't know this person. And, and, and obviously, it was all in caps. This person wasn't in my phone. So my phone didn't have any way of registering who it was. So I knew that it was one of these scammers using a local number to try and get me to pick up. I'm not picking that up. 20 times in a row. My phone steady ringed for three minutes and 28 seconds. Just bombarded. Just bombarded. And social media don't get me started. Its algorithms are designed to keep you in an echo chamber. It's hard for God to get in a word in edgewise. And so, man, if the preacher preaches more than 40 minutes, holy Moses, I can't go to that church. But man, I can spend three hours scrolling Chapsnap and Tweeter and TalkTick and God can't be, he's, he can't get a word in edgewise. And see, listen, I don't even think that's our primary problem. Our primary problem is our own self-talk. We're defeated by the sound of our own voice. I say it again. Scripture is the script cure. Come on, help me out, Brenda. Scripture is the script cure. It's the way to renew our minds, Romans chapter 12. It's the way we tell ourselves a better story. Come on, church. It's the way we turn the volume up to God's voice. Let me ask you this. What percentage of your thoughts, your words, and your actions are relegated by the news media that you watch and the social media that you follow? Oh, Pastor Don's preaching this morning. I know, I know. Hey, listen, if it's sour right here, there's going to be some desserts in a little bit. And the net results is we develop ears that cannot hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost can't even speak to us anymore because we can't even hear. We need to flip the script. Let me do that. I love flipping the script. Watch this. Watch this. If I can ask you what percentage of your thoughts and words and actions are regulated by the news and social media, watch this. Let me flip the script. What percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a part of the revelation of the Word of God you're getting? Hello, somebody. Y'all better help me. I brought a hanky. 
to get grounded in the Word of God. We, when we open our Bible, God opens His mouth. The best way to turn up the volume and the still small voice of God is a Bible reading plan. If you don't have one, see me. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. I had a young I had a mom send me a picture this morning of her still, not this morning, but this week. And I, and I mean, I was tired. I'm going to be honest with you. I was tired, a little tired. When you get tired, you can get a little down, right? And, and, and this picture came, and it was the picture of their stairs going up to the second story of their house. And the kids, the kids' bedrooms are up there. And she said, Pastor Don, for the last few years at 6 a.m., I've seen the light go on upstairs. And she said, every morning, one of my boys gets up because of something you said to him. And for the last two years at 6 a.m., I've seen that light come on and he reads his Bible. Our young people are getting up early to get in the Word. Oh, y'all not helping me today. I, I'm going to bless you in a minute. I, have to, I promise you I'm going to bless you. You got to seed the clouds with the prophetic. Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. Now, I'm just telling you, if Ahab had treated me the way uh, he had treated Elijah, I wouldn't care if he ate or drank another bite in his life. You starved to death. Hello, somebody. A little fast might do you good. But what he says to him is go get something to eat and drink. Why? Because I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Ooh, ooh. Elijah hears something no one else is even listening for. He hears something no one else is even listening for. Something hasn't happened for more than three and a half years. And his prophetic ear is turned and tuned to what God is speaking. And that's where the prophetic starts. Watch this. Let me give you a definition. I don't, I don't want to make it complicated. I, I, we've got plenty of prophets in the room. Those who have those anointings. And I, I, I'm always jealous. I can go other places and, and, and walk in the prophetic, but at home, the problem is I know too much. And I trust myself, right? And Renee will get at me, Eddie will get at me. Sometimes we'll just be, I'll be in a spot where I don't know people and just start prophesying. And, and Anne Renee came up to me and she's like, why don't you do that at home? And I was like, because I just know too much. I don't, it's tough for me to trust what I know versus, hello. But Doug and Nancy, they're all over here. Hello, somebody. Prophetic. Let, let, me, let me tell you this. I love our prophetic people because their ears are tuned specifically just, what God, what are you saying? The prophetic is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and believing the impossible. See, the task is reframing so we can experience the realities that are right in front of us, but from a different angle. That's the prophetic. Sometimes it takes a supernatural gift like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Sometimes it, it, it takes on the form of solutions and spiritual gifts of discernment and, and healings and those things. Either way, I, oh God is just willing to pour his ideas out to us. And, and, and to have, listen, I'd rather have one God idea than a thousand good ideas. So how do we get these God ideas? The prophetic ears have to be tuned, right? We have to hear what God is saying. 
the still small voice of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Precisely what's happening here in verse 41. It hasn't rained in three and a half years, and the forecast seems foolish. Hey, go get something to eat, drink, because it's going to rain, and not a little bit, a lot. And you're probably not going to get to go to the store. It's going to be muddy. Might be a lot of mud around, and all the bread and milk might be gone. Better go eat now. Rain's coming. It rained in three and a half years. There ain't even a cloud in the sky. What's this guy talking about? It's kind of like weathermen here in Michigan. <laughs> 18 inches of snow. Listen to this. Those who don't hear the music, they always think the dancer is mad. Uh, those who don't hear the music always think the dancer's crazy. Come on. You ever, you ever heard a song in your head? No one else can hear it. And you just start singing and everybody's like, what? Come on. We were at the gym yesterday morning and there's some Spanish boys in there and, and they got the headphones on and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a group of them and they're lifting and I want to lift with them. They're some big boys. I was like, let's go. I'm ready. The gringo can lift. Let's go. I'm ready. This one guy's got his headphones on, man. And there's no music in the gym. Just his headphones, man. He is singing in Spanish like you ain't got no business. I'm just telling you, I have no idea what he was saying. But I'm like, this dude is having himself a time. <laughs> I want to be his friend. He's just singing to his own. You see what I'm saying? He's hearing what no one else can hear. You see, when you exercise the prophetic, it seems like you might be out of touch reality. But see, that's what the prophetic does. It, touch, it puts us into reality with God. So we've got to seed the cloud with prophetic. God has already spoken to us. Don't sell one grain. It's a watering hole. Come on, someone. And then we've got to see the cloud with persistence. Psalms 126. Oh, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. We were like men who dreamed. Wait, wait, listen, with 70 years they'd been in captivity and they'd been dreaming about being free. They'd been dreaming about being free. And the psalmist says, when the Lord brought us back, we were like men who dreamed. We couldn't believe it had come to pass. Come on, someone. I, I want to ask this church this, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Is it possible for the people of God to dream? Dream consistently and continually for 70 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, if God has promised. Hold this thought. Hold this thought. Hold this thought. Studies have shown, back to our brain, the cognitive center of gravity shifts from the right brain to the left brain the older we get. Now, why is that important? You're going to watch this. You ever see these kids who have just a vivid imagination? Man, you're like, where do they get these thoughts from? Like kids seem to have imaginations and they, they can imagine anything and everything. And then you meet an old person, grumpy old coot. <laughs> That's not reality. 
Oh, Lord. Now, this is an oversimplification of what's taking place, but it's, it's, it's scientifically, it's, it's true of the brain. Watch this. The left brain is the focus of logic. The right brain is the focus of imagination. And as we get older, the center of gravity moves from the right brain to the left brain. And so as we get older, we live less in imagination and more in memory. We stop creating. We cannot create the future because we're too busy living in the past. We can't imagine anymore. We can't, we're afraid to even imagine anymore. That's going to cost too much. What if it, and all of the what ifs come in and crush us from even being able to dream. And say what? Stop living. We stop living by faith and we start living by logic. And that's when we stop living altogether. That's when we die away before our death certificate puts a date down. But it doesn't have to be this way. The Bible says without vision, people, without vision, people, our vision sermon series, the vision of our church, the reason we do this every year is not just to occupy a little time so that we have a sermon series. The vision of this church is greater than a sermon series. But we need to be reminded and renewed to see what's in front of us because we get so used to seeing it every day, we think it's normal. And it's not. It is not normal for 120 plus kids to rush the stage on a, on a Sunday morning. It's not even normal for them to be in the house. You know what's normal? For them to hang out till midnight in the parking lot of some place they shouldn't be. Listening to music they shouldn't listen to. Doing things they ought not do. Getting involved in things that lead them to destruction. Why? Because they want community. But it's normal for us and we think it's normal for everybody else. Without vision, people. Vision is a perspective. Listen to me, church. I want to say this. I like fig preserves. Oh. Help me, Jesus. Preserves are amazing. Y'all like preserves? Vision is a preservative. Vision is a preservative. If you have vision, you're never past your prime. Y'all know. Listen, if you have vision, you never age out. Just ask Caleb, who at 85 years old said, I'm as strong as I was at 40. Get out of my way. God promised me that mountain. It's an expression of the prophetic. But guess what? It takes persistence. It takes persistence. If you want to dream big, you got to think long. Mike, how old are you going to be in 15 years? 85. I pray to God he's still on the face of this earth. But Mike's already processing. Who will sit in my seat? you got to think long-term. And I love him for that. Come on, somebody. One of two things happens over time. Either your memory takes over your imagination or your imagination takes over your memory. Uh, you know, people often have said to me, you know, Don, you need to grow up. 
Yeah, my wife says a lot. But that's what the marriage sermon series. I never want to stop dreaming. Imagination is the way we see the clouds to the third and fourth generation. Imagination is the way not only do we give this ministry to these kids, but the way we give it to these kids. Why are we doing what we're doing? So there's a church for me, or so there's a church for them, and so there's a church for them. What if it's my job to carry the weight today so they don't have to carry it tomorrow? Come on, church. Let me zoom out. I love verse 44. It's so good. I love it, right? It's, it's right there. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. This is so awfully small. I don't know how you saw it. But that's not the issue. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. If you do the little things, like the big things, God will do the big things, like the little things. Come on, church. Come on, church. We've got to attempt things that are beyond our ability. My dad, my dad used to say this to me all the time because I was such a little bitty guy. I was just always the little guy on the team. Always the little guy. I was just, I was not the big guy on the basketball team. I was not the big guy on the baseball team. I was not the big guy. I just was never the big guy. And my dad used to always look at me and say, Don, you're always going to have to do things that are twice your size. Stop whining about it. I remember in a baseball game, my dad was, was, I got thrown out at second base. I was trying to steal. And the second baseman was in my way. He blocked the base. And I was upset. My dad, he, he pulled me to the side. He was coaching the team. And he said, listen, you're complaining about being small. But you're small enough to slide between his legs. And the next time, guess where I went? Right between his legs. I remember Steve Everly, he's back there one day. We were in this uh, hit and run uh, softball tournament where you could act. It was one time where you could steal. And st- I was on third base and Steve Everly was at home plate. And if the ball got past the catcher in the softball game, it was the only game we ever played like this, you could steal the next base. And, and I told Steve Everly, I said, dude, if that ball gets by him and you don't get out of the way, I'm going to go right between your legs. He didn't believe me. He didn't believe me. Ball got by him, Steve just standing there, here I come, right through his legs. I told you to get out of the way. What you doing? Don't, don't always do things that are twice as big as you and stop complaining about it. It's not going to change. When you're faithful here, don't you, we don't always experience the blessings right now. Watch this. Elijah says uh, to his servant, look for rain. How many times? Oh, oh, y'all not helping me. This is not insignificant. If you're a Bible student, this ought to hit you right in the face. Proverbs 24, the righteous fall seven times and rise again. The number seven is perfection, it's completion. There's nothing super spiritual about it. Like there's nothing super spiritual about the number six. One is just, it's not complete yet, and one is, it is complete. Come on. Just take the demons and the devil and new age stuff out of it. 
One is not complete and one is. That's the way we look at it. Now watch this. Watch this. Abraham bows to the ground seven times in Genesis 33. The priests consecrate the altar by sprinkling it seven times in Leviticus. The word of the Lord is like silver refined seven times. Uh, Jesus ups the ante and he tells us, Forgive your brother not seven times but 70 times I want to focus on some stuff this morning because I want you to get it. Israel circled Jericho seven times. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, they blew the trumpet. Hello, somebody. Naaman dips himself in the Jordan River seven times. And Elijah prays for rain seven times. Let me be just a counterfactual theorist for a moment. I almost did the glory run in my office when I started writing this down. He was there. I was like, Breno. And Breno was like, oh boy, do I need to record this? (laughs) See, the counterfactual theorist uses the what if question. What if the Israelites had stopped circling on the sixth day? (laughs) What if Naaman had stopped dipping on the Sixth time. What if Elijah had quit praying on the sixth attempt? You all know the answer. I could go through them all. Listen to me, church. They would have forfeited the miracle right before it happened. Pastor Don, Pastor Don, Pastor Don, why not just be content? Come on, things are great. We had to set up chairs in the foyer today for worship. It's great. Just be content. Just all of FFM is good. Look at the, you, the young adults group. I promise you. I promise you they worship it on one Tuesday. Hello, somebody. They prophesy and pray for you. Look at the high school group, right? They're not even afraid to pray for each other on Sunday. And y'all better watch out. They might slip out and pray for you around here. Look at these groups. They over here coming fellowshipping and memorizing the scripture like you've never seen anybody do it in their life. They're pouring into this stuff. Why not just be satisfied, Pastor Don? Hmm. What if last Sunday, as powerful as it was, what if last Sunday, as powerful as it was, what if I was just six? Oh, help me, Jesus. just six oh oh. seeding a cloud is about persistence and consistency and I'm going to say this to you again consistency beats intensity seven days a week and twice on Sunday ask seek and knock that's what the Lord told me to do Ask, seek, and knock. He didn't tell me to be careful about what I asked. He didn't say there was a limit on what I could seek him for. (laughs) But my daddy used to say it's always too soon to quit. Persistence. 25 years. Seed the cloud with bold prayer. Come on, church. 
Nothing's more powerful than prayer. Because see, praying boldly is praying beyond your ability, your resources, and your measure, and your imagination. Amy Carpenter prays before she goes to Tanzania. Lord, I just want to see a miracle. God just, I can see it just smiling for you. I got this one for you, Amy. I remember how many times did Jesus walk past the guy that Peter and John healed at the temple? How many times did Jesus walk past him and could have healed him on his way into prayer and, and look at that man and go, Ooh, I got that one for Peter. I'm going I'm to I'm say that one. Come on. It's almost like he planned it. It's, it's, almost like he, it's almost like Jesus walked Peter and John by that guy on purpose all the time. And one day, Peter shows up without Jesus. And he looks at that guy and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Glory to God, I give it to you. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And little Amy's praying for a miracle. She has no expectation other than God being a good God. And someone who didn't even know God had some plan for her. Oh, y'all not helping me. Prayer. Miracles. We believe in God for they're strategically connected to the vision of our church. And you hear God count down. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, faith push them to seven. Well, hope push them to seven. Well, love push them to seven. 850. 3 BC, a king named Jerome assumed the throne of Judah. He's the fifth king. Everybody say the fifth king of the southern kingdom. It's been 117 years since the death of David. And this is what 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 18 says. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He killed his brothers so that he could get the throne. But that's not the way the story ends. It says, nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. Let me tell you why this is powerful to me this morning in this context, in this setting. David is long gone. And this is six kings later. And God has not forgotten his promise. God has not forgotten his people. That's what happens when you see clouds. There's no expiration date on vision. I know God, the things that God has clearly shown me, I will not see with my physical eye if the Lord tarries. But they will. They will. And you know what? That's all right with me. There's no expiration date on faith. There's no expiration date on prayer. We. We. Everybody say we. FFM right now. We are the beneficiaries of prayers we knew nothing about. We always think right here, right now. And God is thinking nations and generations. 
We think, what is God doing for us right now? It's never just for us. It's always for the third and fourth generation. Always. And so the elders have some thoughts. And we want to share with you some things we've been wrestling with, praying over. And we want to connect them to our Easter offering. The vision of our church is not just a sermon series. The vision of our church allows us to see the fruit of last Sunday. It allows us to see the fruit of miracles in Tanzania. It allows us to see the fruit of a witness in athletics. It allows us to see the fruit of church planting. But we believe that one of the greatest priorities that God has called us as an eldership to do, team to do is to invest in our young people. Is to invest now for our future. The longevity of this ministry means everything. I'm prepared to go today as you are. But I want this ministry also to be prepared to serve tomorrow if Jesus tarries. Well, what if we do all this work and Jesus comes back? To, that's his business, not mine. When he comes back, he will find me faithful. We, we can work on the semantics of Jesus looking at Don and going, Hey, you know, that was really not necessary. Okay, Jesus. But we are out of room for young people. And they want to be here. They don't want to be in the parking lot. They don't want to be in the back corners of the back streets. They, they, they don't want to be hanging out where they shouldn't be hanging out, doing what they shouldn't be doing. They want to be here. They worship here. They're equipped here. They're discipled here. They want to be here. And I want them here. They beat you here on Sunday. They're serving here. We had a crazy idea about scholarship funding. How will God ever fund that? You should go over there and pull the books out of the hours these young people are serving in this ministry right now so that they can get credit for this scholarship. It's so motivating that a dying man left all of his money to the church for the scholarship fund. Hey, over $80,000. They're here before you're here. Because they want to be here. They're serving at funerals and, and weddings. And they're serving. They're just serving. They're saying, we want to go to the mission field. Tired of waiting on you old coots. It's time. It's time for a church to say, that's important. It's time for us to build them a facility. Y'all got your seatbelt on? So we're going to present you to this idea. We want to build them a facility. And we want to pay for it with cash. 
We borrow no money. That allow us to continue to pay off what we're trying to pay off. We're set now seven years or so to pay off the, all the debt that we have right now. We're going to borrow no money to do it. I believe that we can not only build this building, but we can pay that debt off even earlier than seven years. I believe we can do it. I believe we can tell a community that the young people matter. And they matter so much that we will invest in them. And so I want to show you something. Hello, somebody. Can you throw the first picture? Be careful. All right, this is our current setup. Uh, the parking lot is paved now. Obviously, you see that. Hey, here, look, I came so prepared, I got me a little laser. I'm going to go over here if you're, if you're looking. This is our current setup. Parking lot's paved now. Uh, this is where the playground sets. You see the playground right there? All right, this is where the volleyball, uh, beach volleyball sets right now. We want to move this here and this here. And we want to put... Next slide. A 60 by 120 gymnasium right there. I don't have final drawings for you. And I don't have final costs for you. I don't want to lock us in to, to where, you know, it's rude and wrong and those type of things. Right? It's going to take a lot of work. Right? This is where we're at. This is what we're looking for. We want to put that building right there. And if possible, we want to connect it right here. We'd like to try and do it pole barn style. But we don't know if codes will allow us to connect a pole barn style building to this building. Because obviously we can build it more cost effective that way. We just don't know yet. Bo McMillan is working on that for us. We've got to ask some questions. We don't know if it needs to be sprinkled. We've got to ask some questions. That means water in there in case there's a fire that's expensive but we want to build this now show the next slide and this is what we want it to look like a full gymnasium floor which would be 50 by 80 right the building itself will be a 60 by 120 we'll have a couple of offices we'll have some storage for vbs We'll have storage for tables and chairs so that if we have a funeral that needs a reception, we can do it over there instead of tearing down all these chairs. So Pastor Don doesn't have to be here till midnight putting up chairs. We'll have some bathrooms. We'll have some sports storage. We'll have a full gymnasium, not only to serve our own young people, but to serve this community. Aaron can tell you right now, there is no place for sports teams to practice. There's not enough gyms. Sneed Girl stayed with us a few weeks ago. I had to haul Kaylin 7 o'clock at night to White Pigeon because it was the only time a, a gym in the whole county was available for them to practice. What if we could say as a church, hey, we'll serve you. But Aftershock completely has no place to meet right now. A little while ago, they could meet in those portables, but they've outgrown those portables. There's no room for them in there. And so they're having to tear down the sanctuary, meet in here, they're having to do all these things. And, and I want to give them a space. Show the second floor of this building. So the second floor of this building will just be the end on the right here. There is a 30 by 50. 
Is that what it is? I can't see it from here. So this, this whole 30 by 50 in will be, you see the stairs going up to it? It'll be a, a loft up above. That will be a designated sp space for the middle school, at, at middle school aftershock group. That will be their meeting space. And of course, it will overlook the gymnasium floor. That's, that's what we like to do for this. So show me the next one. So now, everybody talks about third phase and those things. This is not a permanent drawing. We're just putting something out there to say, let's look what the, the, how we connect all these buildings. So our, our big fellowship hall that we would like over here on the side, obviously it would connect right to that building where that building is at. Now you see how all that looks and those things. It's just a way to fit it into that property and let you see later on down the road what our huge fellowship conference, our huge fellowship center, whatever we could do with it and those things. That is our general ideas. You'll see that the playground's moved over by the basketball court and the volleyball uh, court is moved over there and we'll move our drainage ditch uh, and those type of things. This is what we'd like to present to you as a church. Hello, somebody. And I want to pay for it with cash. Go back to the slide with the gym floor, please. That one. Now... We can only estimate the cost of this based on the cost of some buildings that have been built in the area. We don't know until we do some more work. Can we build this building for $300,000 cash? I hope so. Hello, somebody. But we would like to make that building our Easter offering project this year. Yeah. Pastor Don, have you lost your mind? Yeah. I hear music in my head. <laughs> Let me show you how we can do this. There's 200 families in this church. A little more now. Just walk with me, Marky. Thank you. 200 families at FFM. There's more now. We will challenge each family in this church to think about this as an Easter offering. What, would I, what should I give to the annual Easter offering? God came and gave his best to Easter. We've been doing this for years. Last year, our Easter offering was $95,000 plus. Our challenge is, we would like to challenge every family in this church to consider, prayerfully consider, giving one week's salary. What does that look like, Pastor Don? Well, if 200 families, the average income of family, is a total average income of family is 65,000. I don't know. I'm just putting some numbers out there. If it's 65,000 times 52, or yeah, or divided by 52, that equals $1,250 per family. If 200 families give $1,250, we raise $250,000. Will there be people who give more than $1,250? Absolutely. Will there be people who cannot give $1,250? Absolutely. But together, on purpose, let's rock this world for Jesus.
As an eldership team, we have made the commitment to our advisory council team that helps us with the finances of the church that we will not build until we have all monies in hand. That's stewardship, that's honor, that's working through everything. And so my challenge to us as a church is how much do we love our young people? And I want, I want to encourage you, maybe you can't give that much. Maybe you can give more. Don't get locked into that number. I simply wanted to show you how easy it can happen. I, I wanted to show you that. I believe that we have some people who are committed to more than that. I believe that by faith, Easter Sunday morning is going to rock our world. I believe that. Hello, somebody. So what happens, Pastor Don, if we raise $300,000, but the building costs half a million? It's a distinct possibility. Y'all know what this world is. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know. But I don't want my faith for this moment to be limited by what I don't know. I want it to be energized by what I can do. And at that moment as a church, we come together and we confront the obstacle, the Goliath that stands in front of us together. That's what we do because our kids are worth it. Our kids are worth it. Our vision is greater than a sermon series. Although these series are fantastic to help us understand what God is doing. So this coming Easter, we will receive your Easter offering. You can start to give now if you want. Designate it to the Easter offering. We'll hold it till that day. Amen? We absolutely will. And we'll add it all together. Sunrise service. We're going to gather like we always do. Early in the morning. And Corey Carpenter is going to be preaching to us. I got you. (laughs) And after that, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to bring our best because God gave us best and we are going to rejoice. Are you with me? Come on, church, this is fantastic. This is absolutely beautiful. This day in this house, what God is doing. I I don't want to be anywhere else. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and they're going to kick a dead pig around here in a little while. But man, I got a living Savior that has encouraged and inspired me in such a way that has blessed my heart. Breno, can you just come play the piano for a minute? I don't don't know what we're going to do here, but... um, is that all right? Yeah. Now, we've had a full house for the last two weeks. <laughs> I just scared them all off. Ain't none of them coming back next week. <laughs> they gone. They gone. <laughs> I want to say this to anybody who's li- uh, watching online. You've been watching online for months. Maybe you don't call this self, this place your home church, but it's fed you some way. You can give to these draw. Don't be scared. It's all right. Designate it. Make it so. I promise you, no matter what takes place with a building like this, there will be a building team and a financial steward team who will steward this thing to no end. I promise you that. Amen? I'm I'm not a builder. I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I'm just an old meat cutter. I was taught how to take things apart. 
putting things together. We'll leave that to the other professionals. All right, here's what we're going to do. Everybody say, whew. Whew. All right. <laughs> Desserts are waiting. Stand with me in this house. Opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Tops group, they're here. Furniture ministry. Harrison. Desserts. Hey, please, do, do yourself a favor. Honor the kids. Honor the kids, okay? This, this is not about garage sale, okay? I said this is not about pawn shopping. You get that? Listen, I go pawn shopping. I'm a, I, listen, I ain't paying what's on the ticket. But here today, guess what? I ain't paying what's on the ticket either. Over the ante. Can I pray for us as a church? Is that all right? Is that all right? Father, we are so excited about your heart deposited among us. Lord, we're just dreaming the dream of God. Lord, we're just dreaming the dream of God. You said you'd give us the desires of our heart because you first placed those desires there. And so, Lord, we want to partner with you in investing in it, building it, and embracing it, and being part of it. Do it, Jesus. So we own this vision. It's not for someone else. This is our vision. It's ours. Lord, so many years ago, we didn't sell one grain of sand. We pressed in. Because you are building a water hole. Help us, Jesus, as we continue to refine and grow. Lord, we want to win the lost. God, we want to equip the saved. And we want to send the equipped. All for your glory and all for your honor. This food we're about to eat that the youth have prepared for us, God. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, these desserts that we're going to buy, God, let us celebrate the youth as we, as we purchase them, God, to let them know how much we love them. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Okay. She just told me she doesn't really want to speak, but she just told me this building is needed because she's seen too many of the youth over at the jail. Yeah, so there you go. There's a testimony this building's needing because she's seen too many of the youth at the jail. We're going to talk about it some more. Amen. All right. Hey, ladies, pick up your car. East side over here. Pick up your purse. Gentlemen, stack these chairs in stacks of five. And the tables are coming around. Give us about 15 minutes and then you can come in and the youth are going to start serving you. Everything's not fine. Wow.